Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Nicole Thomas, and I am the Vice President of Information Services here at McKinney Flavelle. Today is August 6, 2021, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Uh, and joining me is our wheat expert extraordinaire. And uh, what's your formal title, Eric? I know I should know that. Commodity specialist. Commodity specialist, Eric Thornton. How's it going, Eric? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Nicole? You know, actually, I'm experiencing what I've heard a lot of parents talk about uh, long before I had kids of that uh, euphoria when school starts back Uh, after the summer. Yeah. Yeah. No more interrupting calls or, you know, tapping on my door for a quote unquote emergency, (laughs) uh, i.e. Can I have some peanut butter crackers like right now (laughs) in the middle of your call? Yeah. So it's that time of year. I'm excited. (laughs) It's that time of year. Um, How was the uh, school supply shopping this year? Was there, were you finding everything? Were you loading up on, you know, extra crayons? What's going on there? Barrels of fun. Very different from when I was a kid. I don't remember buying storage bags for the class or two boxes of, you know, the same count of crayons. Not quite sure what that is all about. And lots of hand sanitizer. Lots of hand Ah, sanitizer. Yeah. So, you know, it's 2021, you know, back to school (laughs) shopping 2021, which involves a hefty supply of sanitizer. So Mm -hmm. uh, interesting times, interesting times. Speaking of interesting times. Sure. You know, 2021's brought us some interesting scenarios (laughs) here in the markets too. And uh, we, like like everyone, I think, these days, uh, has been, uh, we've been looking at the, the weather up in the upper Midwest in those dry conditions and wondering, hmm, what impact will this have on corn yield, right? So, right. you know, yep. you and I dug into it a little bit and, and uh, came up with some ideas uh, you want to share with folks because I'm tired of depressing people. It's your turn, Eric. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll take over on this one. But yeah, obviously we're you know we're into August, um, just past the pollination period here for corn, and we're getting into definitely uh, yield prediction season, and we'll be kicking off with some crop tours here right. this month for some various entities. But yeah, Nicole and I put our heads together and kind of came up with a a yield analysis for the potential of this crop and. Obviously, the northern plains are definitely forecasted to be below trend. But for this exercise, basically, we took the last four years um, for average yield by the top 16 uh, producing states in the Corn Belt, which represents roughly 88, 89% or so of the production in a given year. And we took those four-year averages and said, hey, maybe a little bit high high-end, low-end estimates for yield, and did that for the 16 states, multiplied that out by the anticipated harvested acreage, you know, not considering any abandoned acres or reduction in harvested acreage, just using the current projections at play to come up with a total production, backed yourself into a yield by state. So what we did there was give uh, below 
four-year average yield ratings to, again, those states in the northern regions. So, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Colorado as well, who's, who's obviously been one of the drier states too in this growing season. And we gave uh, average yield ratings to Iowa, Michigan, and Texas. And then we, we even gave high-end yield ratings to a majority of the eastern states. So Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and then some of the uh, southern states, Kentucky, Kansas, Missouri, Tennessee, and Nebraska out west. So all in all, when we factored in those uh, low four-year average and high-end estimates by state, we came up with a pretty close consensus number, somewhere near 175 bushels per acre. Um, Nicole and I both had our own estimates. She actually came in a little bit under me at 174.5 to my 175.3. And again, you know, some subjective, uh, you know, estimates, obviously, but right. we do, I guess we're trying to illustrate the picture here of, you know, the, the Northern region and, you know, how much that will have a drag on the national yield, which is currently 179.5. So check that out on IQ. There's a couple paragraphs there for you to analyze, but it was a really fun exercise. And I think it just kind of sets up for, you know, hey, what's going on next week with WASD coming out on the 12th? You know, like we said, we're, we're forecasting something near 175 as we see things today. But Nicole, what do you think uh, USDA will posture for a much anticipated WASD next week. And you didn't mention that after we did this analysis just this morning, you freaked me out by showing me a picture of the updated oh, yeah. drought monitor in the U.S. Mm -hmm. with uh, some intense drought now showing up in Iowa. So, uh, right. you know, <laughs> usually, you know, four or five bushels per acre below USDA's projection would not be considered conservative. But uh, I say that to suggest that, you know, Eric and I may be a little conservative with our with our yield analysis. Uh, and there are some folks out there throwing numbers that are are a little lower. But, you know, as far as the WASD is concerned, I think we're going to see some interesting things here and, you know, a bit of a difference between what shows up for the U.S. versus globally. Then the U.S., I'm not quite sure they're going to be ready. USDA is going to be ready to completely ratchet down that um, that yield. Can I see them taking a few bushels per acre off of it at this point? Yes, I think. You know, once to your point, Eric, once some of these crop tours really get started and and folks start doing uh, uh, their own field counts, and there's a little more supportive information that they may take it down further now. They could totally shock me and take it down considerably, but yeah, I could see them holding out a, a, maybe another another month before they make any any you know super duper reductions to that number. And I think with any reduction they make, they're going to try to offset that a little bit with potentially a little stronger carry in coming out of this year. So we may have shot a little too low for twenty twenty one. And that they may make some adjustments to demand for 21-22. Uh, most notably the feed category. We're showing a pretty, pretty strong number there right now. And it's, you know, totally plausible that with, you know, the prospect of higher prices that we're going to see some uh, retrenchment in livestock production. We're already starting to see that 
uh, with the the cattle on feed numbers. Interestingly, for broilers, it's and and egg laying uh, chicken, it's it's actually gone up a little bit of late. But that would be a category where there's you know we haven't even started the the new crop year yet. Certainly have plenty of time to make some adjustments there, even you know gradually coming back up based on you know more firm numbers on uh, what we what we know as opposed to you know kind of what we think. And you know usually we see that type of rationing show up in the export category. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure that's gonna happen for what I'm about to say on the global picture. Now, before we even get there, so what does that mean for ending stocks for 21-22 as far as this report's concerned? Maybe a little movement lower, 50 to 100 million bushels. Again, depending on you know if there's adjustments made to carry in and just how significant that yield reduction is in this report. Now, onto the global scenario. This is where I think the balance sheet changes are, will be very interesting. So all year, <laughs> ever since, you know, kind of the first season crop of Brazilian corn was planted late and then the domino effect of that. And then we saw, you know, the second season crop get planted pretty late. And of course, we saw that pollination period for the Brazilian crop correspond with the driest time of year for Brazil. And we've been basically, you know, every report coming down a little bit on Brazilian production, a little bit, a little bit. Up to this point, there's been, you know, some minor adjustments made elsewhere to at least offset some of that decline for what the, you know, what would ultimately be the ending stocks number that currently stands at about a little under 280 million tons. Now, as far as Brazil's concerned, as of the July report, USDA had Brazilian production at 93 million tons. We're hearing some scary numbers as far as projections are concerned by people within Brazil. I mean, you got to think about it. Late plantings in dry soils to begin with, then hitting that uh, dry period during the reproductive stage of the corn, then getting hit with a frost slash snow. Right. Everything from a weather standpoint that could possibly have gone wrong, other than, you know, a, a major flood has gone wrong with this crop. But there's some some uh, folks out there putting putting numbers as low as sub 80 million tons. Wow. And I'm talking for the total crop, not just the safrina portion for the total crop. Uh, so I think, you know, USDA, they made a, a pretty sizable reduction. Uh, I believe that was in the June report. Uh, or in the July report. And I think we we could see another sizable reduction in in this month's report. The difference being, I don't think there's as much room to kind of play around with these other countries and and other categories to offset that decline. So I think we're going to see that ending stocks number come down quite a bit in, in this report. Now, of course, people, you know, are wondering about Soybeans as well. Like, hey, what what about the acreage of soybeans in 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 those same states? And you know, fortunately, thus far anyway, we're we're not sort of hitting that key period for beans in the midst of this last hot and dry spell. There's been a little bit of rain coming through, but as as I mentioned earlier, the the drought monitor is getting worse, not better. 
So it appears that even though there's some rain, uh, we've had some precipitation events kind of spotty here and there hitting, you know, a portion of, of the Dakotas or the southern portion of Minnesota or parts of Iowa, that it may it may be too little too late at this point. So the question then becomes, will USDA lower the yield for soybeans too? 50.8 was aggressive to begin with, uh, considering last year we're at 50.2 and, and, you know, anything over 50 bushels per acre is uh, a pretty strong yield for soybeans. So we could see some reductions there. Won't be as impactful to the total production number. So I, I think we're looking at something maybe a little closer to sub 4.4 billion bushels, call it, you know, 4.35, something of that nature, unless, you know, they, they make a more significant reduction of soybeans. But, you know, the argument could be made that you got enough evidence to do that with corn. If you're not, if you don't do it with corn, you're probably not going to do it with beans as well. And the reality is when it comes to beans, we don't have any room to play with. So if they do reduce that production of, of you know, anything of significance, then they're likely going to have to reduce the the two major categories of demand crush and or exports to be able to offset that to keep these ending stocks from getting much worse than they already are at 155 million bushels. So the, those are the things I would be watching for. And then, of course, for, for all our, our soybean oil uh, users that, you know, my heart goes out to you folks. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's 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 near and dear to my heart because it's the oils category anyway. But you know, it, considering the devastation likely with the canola crop still not getting better production with palm, and and now also wondering what the production scenario for soybeans will be in the U.S. Even if you don't see. A major adjustment to ending stocks for soybean oil, we, we still have to maintain a lot of vigilance and be very strategic in our bookings for oils this year, uh, or I should say going into 2022, because it, it looks like, you know, pretty much across the edible oils complex, we're going to be really tight, at least for, for the first half of, of next year. So, you know, just my normal bearer of Good news at the end of the week <laughs> yeah. because everyone likes going into their weekend depressed. What about wheat? Anything? <laughs> I already know the answer to this question. Yeah. Anything better on wheat, Eric? Well, I, I guess we could say, you know, hopefully no major revisions uh, like we saw last time to the balance sheet because, uh, boy, USDA came right out in, in July and slashed yield and slashed uh, spring wheat production down dramatically. So I think they're definitely more in line with where we stand currently, but but likely and unfortunately still probably a little too much production estimate right now for the spring wheat crop, mm. considering some of the ratings we're seeing on crop tours up there, you know, in the last two weeks. And uh, boy, it's, we haven't gotten any rain the last two weeks here as well. And Nicole mentioned some rain coming through, which may help more so, uh, soybeans in those areas, but definitely too too little too late for wheat. It's yeah. going to be a pretty dismal crop. And, you know, if anything, I think we'll see some further refinement lower on yield for, for not only spring, but the total uh, yield harvested per acre. So we currently sit at 45.8. 
bushels per acre. I could see that coming down marginally here in the U.S. And I don't think, you know, other than that, we're going to expect too many changes here. You know, exports remaining pretty steady here at a current 875 million bushel estimate. I think that's still a safe target right now. Feed demand, 170 million bushels. I think that's a safe target right now too, at least for any changes. So, you know, I, I could see a situation where ending stocks come down further from the current 665 million bushels, you know, maybe 15 to 20 million bushels off of, the, off of that, um, yeah. some further production losses. But, you know, not not great either looking globally in terms of really trying to look at the regions that may see some bumps to production. So, you know, we're still forecasting a, uh, at least the USDA is, a record large production number globally at 792 million metric tons. And though I think there are some countries that are currently overstated on production. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. the U.S. I am right. in our neighbors to the north in Canada. Oh, they're also dealing with their own weather problems. Right, and right. They are currently estimated at 31.5 million metric tons. I, I have a very strong belief that the crop is below 30 yeah. and probably in the high 20s. Russia is also being looked at as, as too optimistic right now at 85 million metric tons. Some of the yield numbers coming out from their winter wheat harvest are slightly disappointing. So I think that has room to massage lower. But uh, those are probably the three uh, major regions I'm monitoring for WASD, you know, U.S., Canada, and Russia for for likely to see some revisions lower. So all in all, I don't think there's going to be too much other changes. And, you know, I think ending stocks probably fall below the uh, 290 million metric ton estimate currently. So still, you know, plenty of stocks globally, but, you know, we are seeing the direction the last couple months fall lower from, you know, once being near 300 million metric tons. Now we're going to be pushing likely to below 290. So yeah. not uh, a rosy story there either, especially in the United States and definitely a very difficult environment for the spring wheat users out there. So that's what I've got. Yeah. It's more like, Oh, Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was funny to me. Eric Eric chuckled. I'll yeah, take that. I like uh, it. <laughs> so I'm sure for uh, a lot of our users, it, probably the next questions just popping up in your mind is, well, what do I do? What do I do for these futures? What What should I do for timing? Definitely give us a call for that. Kind of go through your individual scenario because you know it's unless we get you know something in the way of a miracle here shortly and Mm -hmm. who knows maybe maybe uh china has some great production and we we just don't know about it yet um (laughs) outside of that it's probably going to be another rough year so we're always here to help that's exactly what our purpose is what we do for our clients. And of course, we, we'd be glad to walk through any of these scenarios and, and the possibilities with uh, with our folks. So with that, I mean, great podcast, Eric. Thanks for the insightful information, as always. Thanks, Nicole. Great job with you too. Um, and if you guys would like to get a bit more in the, in the, into the detail of this yield analysis, as, as Eric mentioned, take a look at IQ. Nice little uh, write up and some some uh, uh, a table there for you to to review. And if you'd like to learn more about IQ, 
please reach out to us at inquire at McKinney-Flavelle.com and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you set up with a nifty little subscription to have access to all that information and more. So I think that wraps it up and that will conclude our weekly hot commodity podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening in. And as our absent, I think, hanging out in Hawaii, fearless leader Mike always says, and that's probably why. I mean, you could say live with an attitude of gratitude if you're spending time in Hawaii, right? Mm, Yeah. I think that's a guarantee. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) So (laughs) with that, until next time, take care. Bye-bye. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.